<laughs> okay. Three, two, one, clap. That was good. I'm not even gonna bother with that one. Y'all got it. Minasan, Yokoso. Welcome to your favorite cross-cultural deep dive analysis and recap podcast, Kinku Sentai Podcast Rangers. My name it is, is my favorite. It, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's mine too. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ethan. I use he/him pronouns, and with me is my usual co-host Andrew. Hi. We are also joined today by our friend and local hometown rock star Violet. Hi, Vi. Introduce yourself. Hi, I am Violet. I use she/her pronouns. Uh, I watch Power Rangers, and I am Doctor Deathray. Look up analogrevolution.com. We'll get to the plugs. Okay. The plugs be <laughs> We're going to start with the plugs before we lose them. So, so but Violet, we did do that last time. Nelson did plug everything ahead of time and had nothing to say at the end of the show. So Violet wrote our theme song, which you have just been enjoying. Uh, Colossal Might, which is very fitting. Totally radical instrumental version. It kicks so much ass, and we're so grateful to have it. I got and to do we, some two-finger tapping. It was very fun. I remember you like just picked it up out of nowhere, basically, and like... Were, were fiddling with that recording as I was walking out a few weeks ago. I was like, is this going to be... And then it was. Yeah, and then it was. And then it was. Um, today we are recapping and discussing Kyoryu Sentai Ranger Episode 3, Ikuza e Zetsubo no Daichi, Fight in the Land of Despair, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1, Episode 3, Teamwork. Without further ado, unless we have further ado, we'll get into the recap. Recaps. All right. Kyoryu Sentai! Jirenja! Fight in the Land of Despair was written by Sugimura Noboru and directed by Ogosawara Takeshi. It begins with the Z-Rangers sparring and practicing in a park somewhere, but they are just too strong and keep breaking their weapons, which, to be fair, are also 170 million years old. Dora Skelton broke all their other weapons that they like brought out of their magical stasis, so they are just fighting barehanded, which is not great. Uh, but Goshi has the solution. Back in the dinosaur times, a five-headed dragon was killed, and within its body were found five legendary weapons, which totally coincidentally line up with each of our hero's signature fighting styles. The rangers confer with Barza, and he conser- confirms that the legendary weapons remain in the underworld's land of despair, but are nearly impossible to get, because if one gives in to sadness or spends more than one full day there, they will turn to stone. Bandora, of course, knows about all of this, and her pan is basically to stress out and distract the rangers long enough that they are claimed by the Land of Despair. She herself can't claim the weapons, but she only needs to prevent the rangers from doing so. So Barza mm-hmm. has normal ears. Yes. Barza again. has normal ears for the entire episode. For the rest of the show. Barza's weird ear still bothers me. I, I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream that there was just an old man sweeping a sidewalk, and he turns his head, and he's got Barza's giant ear. It is haunting me. I, yeah. It's, like, very fleshy and, like, protrudes yeah. a great deal. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bandora kidnaps a boy called Hiroshi, as well as his mother, who live in the Sakura condominium building to use as hostages against the rangers, and she also commissions a new monster from Plepricon. In the Land of Despair, the rangers split up. Gekidan and Goshi plan to reach the castle as quickly as possible while Boy and Mei go to search for Hiroshi. Dora Minotaur attacks Geki's group while Golems attack Mei and Boy, and they all fight as best they can with no weapons but are outmatched even after transforming. 
Then Bandora uses her evil magic to make Dora Minotaur a giant, which is the first time we see Bandora do this in Zoo Ranger, and the rangers must call on their guardian beasts to fight. They give him a run for his money, but ultimately Bandora calls a retreat, and the land of despair becomes freezing at night. Meanwhile, despite being rescued by Mayan Boy, Hiroshi can't stop worrying about his mom, and the sadness in his heart causes him to become a statue, and that's the end of the episode. Kind of a bummer. There were a few crazy things that happened in this one, and one of them I made a note of. The Minotaur acts like a land shark when it first shows up. Yeah. And it's sort of zooming around underground. It also breathes fire. Oh, the cool thing that the Rangers did was use their dino bucklers as, like, brass knuckles. Yeah, yeah. No, and that was Use sick. it as an offensive and defensive weapon, which, like, makes sense if you have, like, a magical item that is, like, plot critical and is not going to break, unlike your ancient weapons. Like, yeah, just fucking beat somebody with it. <laughs> yeah. D- did we have all the Zords in this one? All the Zords were in this and one. And this is yes. the first time that we see all the Zords, because in the last one we just had the Dinozord, or the... Uh, Tyrannosaur. Tyrannosaur. Yeah. Guardian Beast Tyrannosaur. Which was so sick to see all of the Zords come flying in and just... Yeah. 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 No, so this is it. one of the big differences in the pacing between these two shows. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that it's kind of a slow burn. The Rangers don't immediately have their Zords. They don't immediately have their weapons. They don't make a Megazord right away. You get to see these incremental things sort of build, and this is true of a lot of Sentai shows. Yeah. Whereas the the American versions sort of spoil the whole game, go straight yeah. to the top. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode. But Power Rangers go swinging out of the gate hard with the Megazord in the first episode. Um, but in the episode that we watched today, or the, that we're talking about today, and, and the, the next one that we'll talk about, they do start introducing some of these things that kind of get filtered in from the Japanese show. Mm-hmm. But they did. They, they, they started with, with the, the big reveal. Hey, we're going to go Megazord first, yep. and then we'll, then we'll sprinkle in all the other details. And as we'll see in the next few episodes, it really throws the pacing off. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, a a loose correspondence between which monsters are in which episodes. And, like, they obviously have to fit the plot of Power Rangers to the mask footage that they're importing somehow with the absolute buckwild pacing shift from episode one. Yeah. Taking them a while to figure things out. And, And I remember it working better. Yeah. So I have to assume that it starts working better eventually. Mm-hmm. But right now it's not working well. No, it's very much like go as fast as you can in Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost shocking to me that they, in Power Rangers, and we'll get to this, that they don't have the power weapons yet. Right, yep. right. Like um, they start with Megazord, and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you probably need these two. Uh, but, but they've got guns. They've got guns. Yeah, they got the Ranger Blaster, Ranger uh-huh. Swords. I want one of those so bad. <laughs> I remember, uh, I, think, I think Think Geek is dead now. Yeah. But Think Geek at one point had a physical store at Town Center Mall mm-hmm. in Kennesaw, and it was packed out of incredibly well-made yeah. Power Rangers merch. Yeah. And I just didn't have money for any of it, of course, but I'm just like, I'm still slavering. Oh, totally. It's like a like a well made dino buckler with like the clicky mm-hmm. yeah. and the power. Oh my god, yeah. So Violet, yeah. Have you watched any Super Sentai before? So mostly through the Americanized versions, right? So you, you've watched Power. Rangers. I've watched Power Rangers. Uh, the uh, Thunderzord era is my favorite. Okay. And then I don't remember them well, but I. Do remember watching VR Troopers sure. and Big Bad Beetleborgs. I, I loved Beetleborgs. 
So those are the main ones that I've watched. And I really remember Power Rangers. I revisited it in 2010 when they did those Mm re-releases. But for the most part, it was Power Rangers focused. Do do you know why they did those re-releases? I don't remember now. You'll have to listen to our next episode. Oh, man. Okay. I I will be talking about it, but it'll be in the next episode. Oh, okay. Episode four. Yeah, episode four. You'll have to come back for episode four to find out why they did those re-releases. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But this is your first time watching Sentai. This is my first time watching Sentai. This is my first time with Zaire Ranger. This is my first time any Japanese Sentai at all. Quick first impressions. Quick first impressions are, I can't believe that it's not like super high tech. There's no Alpha 5. There's no... It's all magical. It's It's all magic. super magic. I mean, there is a certain degree of magic technology, but also just Technobabble in Power Rangers. But it's like, there is a power Mm -hmm. that exists in the morphing grid, and this is a sort of nebulous concept that... I think they explore very deeply, like in the Dark Horse comics, for sure. example. Yeah. But like, it's not explained, and so no. it's like there is just power out there somewhere in the universe yeah. that, through their morphers and things, the the Power Rangers are able to like pull on and channel. And and in the next episode, just straight out of their hands, mm-hmm. out of their hands, because why not? Yep. But yeah, no. In watching uh, Zaire Ranger and everything, I was like, oh, this is like. Magic. Why do they have robot dinosaurs? Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting because I mentioned in our first episode that Zero Ranger has a lot of firsts for the Sentai meta franchise, mm-hmm. and sure. that's one of them. Is that it is not a purely sci-fi show. There's a lot of fantasy magical sure. elements. Uh, you know, you look at something like Jetman or even Go Ranger, the original one. Uh, it's all just straight up sci-fi stuff. But, there's yeah. no magic. There's all like. Hard, I don't want to say hard sci-fi, but uh, very definite sci-fi. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, also watching uh, Z Ranger, it's like, okay, this m- makes way more sense than Power Ranger is yeah. making as an adult. Like yeah. watching this, like it's yeah. there seems to be plot continuity. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so you talked about the pacing thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You talked about how Power Rangers just kind of blows the pacing and throws everything out and. You made an allusion to that being a, a common thing in all the American Sentai. There's at least one show where that is not the case. Uh, and I feel like it's it's worth bringing up. I've, I've brought it up before, and we will bring it up again, I'm sure. But that's um, uh, The Mystic Knights of Tirna Noog. Yeah. The only actual American show done in this style mm-hmm. follows the, the Zayu Ranger formula yeah. of, okay, we're going to slowly introduce things, and we're going to slowly ramp up the power. And because they were producing it, from scratch, they were like, hey, let's actually, let, let's write something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think it's just crucial to note that, like, no one, again, no one had done this before. And, oh, yeah. you know, there's a weird parallel with um, Victory Gundam, which was, like, the fourth major Gundam series to release. Okay. Yoshiyuki Tomino, who is the, the creator of Gundam and was, like, the principal writer and director of the show really butted heads hard with the studio who wanted the Gundam in the first episode. Right. And he wanted to do a little bit more of a slow burn over the first four. And so what they ended up with was this terrible compromise that jumps back and forth in time and makes no sense. Sure. And I think Saban was under, and who can say whether it's from the studio or pressure he put on himself, but like, I think that he wanted to hit that big high note first thing to capture that audience and to get the interest and, I mean, he he was making the show for kids, obviously, in the 90s, but he also had to, like, impress the studio execs right. 
at Fox and like who had repeatedly rejected this mm-hmm, premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Margaret Loesch originally thought it would never happen. Right, like right. ridiculed the idea. The only way we got Power Rangers was was fluke on top of fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that Saban was the one who was under pressure because I I gotta wonder how much of that was an attempt to kickstart toy sales. Sure. You can't sell a Megazord toy if nobody's seen the Megazord mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And it would also be confusing if kids are in the store and see one and they're like, what? what yeah, is it hasn't happened on screen yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I wonder how much of that plays into it. Yeah. You know? uh, but I don't, I don't know the timeline of the toy releases. Me neither. have to find that out at some mm-hmm. point. You want to hit us with a Rangers recap? Yeah, I can do a Rangers recap. Rangers recap. This episode was called Teamwork. It was. Uh, which is just such a heavy-handed title. Yeah. I don't know that anyone alerted the American production team about, like, subtlety or themes. <laughs> I don't no. think they're familiar with the concept. Th- this episode is not subtle. No. No. Um, so I'm not dominant this time. I did take some notes. I'm going to run through it relatively quickly. Uh, my notes are probably too, too detailed. It's a work in progress, folks. Okay, so when we, we start off with Kimmy and Trini collecting signatures for getting rid of a toxic waste site. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they're at the high school. They're collecting signatures. Uh, some folks hassle them. Uh, they want the boys to come with them to deliver the signatures, and the boys uh, all have previous engagements, most of which sound made up. Yep. They do. Uh, like They sound legitimate, like reasons, but they make them sound made right, up. Right, they make yeah. them sound made up. And, and the the one that sounds the most made up does turn out to be a legitimate reason, mm-hmm. but but they play it like the boys are just blowing the girls off, which which was a weird choice. Yeah. Yes. The girls in response talk about teamwork and how they feel like they're not being supported, which would land a little better if they had given the boys any notice whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is heavy-handed foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Rita, who is just watching the Power Rangers as if they are a sitcom, mm-hmm. um, decides to use pollution as her grand scheme to take over the planet. Crucially, she implies that she has already created the situation. Right. Yeah. So my question in my notes was like, does she have like an LLC? <laughs> like, is she incorporated on Earth through like a shell corporation and is just trying to pollute Angel Grove? And, and obviously the, the site, when they do get there, has been there forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like uh, decades. And Rita has only been free for days. Many questions. So, so many questions. Um, so Rita talks about pollution, and then we cut back to the high school where Bulk, Bulk and Skull show up, uh, and they beat up a guy for recycling a can. Mm-hmm. They uh, do. Kimmy humiliates them, and um, uh, there was a bit here that caught me off guard. While Bulk, Bulk and Skull are stuck in the trash can doing the whole crab walk in the trash can, um, an unnamed woman comes over and tries to help them out. Yeah. Uh, she's wearing similar clothes to them. Uh, we don't get her name. She she doesn't speak. But um, this does really raise some questions about Bulk and Skull's place within the social strata at Angel Grove. So she is actually in a previous episode. Let me see if I can find the note that I made. Okay. There's more of them in Food Fight. Oh, it was in yeah. Food Fight. The episode that we watched out of order. She is there and... Um, there's another guy there also. And yeah. they're all sort of like loosely goth. Right. Uh, yeah. She's, Vaguely she's punk. Got, kind of punkish. Yeah, just like alt. She's got like long dyed blonde hair and wears sunglasses 24 mm-hmm. 7. But crucially, those characters never talk. She right. looks a lot like Debbie from the Wild Thornberries. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Um, I mean, just uh, classic 90s grunge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. 
the, the reason that I bring this up is because I think it does raise some questions about Bulk and Skull as they are presented within the show, that these characters are vexing me. I, I remember them being buffoonish, cartoonish villains as a kid, and they are. Yeah. They, they are played as baboonish and cartoonish villains, but they are also not explicitly and, and uh, consistently the object of ridicule in the way that I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a weird dynamic. Anyway. Yeah, um, the, there's an incident in episode four between Bulk and Jason that makes me think there are further underlying social dynamics. Yeah. yeah. That might just be my writer brain acting. I, I really wonder about their home life. Yes. <laughs> Big time. Like... <laughs> I am concerned for Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Deeply. Yeah. So Kimmy and Trini go to the industrial waste site, which appears to just be like a construction site. Yeah. Uh, there doesn't actually appear to be much waste. There's a mud puddle. In their conversation throughout this episode, there is some questions for me whether they want to close down the dump site uh-huh. or clean up the dump site. Right. So I think there is supposed to be a dump there, but the corporation's that are dumping their toxic waste are not following the regulations or just, like, dropping stuff and leaving? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear. It's, yeah, not clear at all. Sign a petition! Help shut the dump site down! So, Kimmy and Trini go to the industrial waste dump where they're ambushed by the putties and a monster. This is all U.S. footage, and there's lots of, like, super tight close-ups and extra wide shots to mask mm-hmm. the fact that they're using stunt doubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rita and company watch their tel- uh, telescope, and they decide to send Goldar to help. This makes no sense. Zach teaches Alpha to dance. Yeah, he does do that. Uh, he says something about hip-hop, which I didn't really understand. Uh, and then Alpha starts screaming, dudettes in trouble. It was uh, a really weird phrase mm-hmm. that that stuck in my mind as a kid when I saw I this also, episode. I also made a note of that. Uh, but he says it like seven or eight times, and the first time he said it, I had no idea what he meant. Dudettes in trouble! Yeah, hard to parse. Yeah. No subtitles. So Zordon summons all the boy rangers to HQ. Mm-hmm. Clearly this implies that he could have also summoned the girl rangers to, to remove them from the conflict that they were in well, so, and chose not to. So the, like he does kidnap them in that first episode, but he like alerts them to transport immediately. Right. And they do, which I think implies that the things that they told Kim and Trini that they had to go do that they couldn't come to deliver the signatures were not actually that important. Right. Because they they literally show up in a second. It's and, not like a what's up, what's going on. Right. They just appear. And Zach's thing was teaching Alpha to dance, which yeah. is which is just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So the boys show up and they watch the girls fighting on the viewing orb and they do nothing. They just stand there and watch. Uh, Finster sends a, a monster. Uh, the boys morph and are instantly teleported to a rock quarry that has nothing to do with anything else going on Mm -hmm. to fight the monster. The girls are at a toxic dump. Then Goldar shows up. Then the girls morph and are instantly teleported to a forest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then to a beach. Mm Mm-hmm. And during that sequence, the putties kind of show up and disappear and show up and disappear. Mm -hmm. They fade in and out of reality. Alpha and Zordon talk about teamwork. Zordon talks about the secrets of the power weapons. Ancient secrets of the power the weapons. The ancient secrets of the power weapons. Again, no no context. Zordon's just like, hey. He's just been holding on to these for the time he felt was appropriate. Yeah, m- maybe now that they're all getting their butts kicked, we should give them some weapons. We said yeah. this in episode one, but like Zordon's motives, again, are deeply, deeply questionable. Yeah, here. Oh, he, for sure. he's a suspicious dude. He's, he could have presented them with the weapons... Right off the bat. Now, that would screw with the footage importing, obviously, sure. but, like, 
Like I gave you a Megazord. Yeah. Like you, I gave you control of a giant robot that could destroy towns. I can trust you with these weapons. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, Rita does not say make my monster grow, which made me sad. Uh, but she does throw her staff and make the Minotaur huge. And this is the same Minotaur from um, the Zaya Ranger episode. Mm-hmm. Jason asks for help from the girls, and then he summons his Zord. I noticed in this shot for the first time I was I was paying attention to all the Zords summoning the way the pterodactyl flies out of the volcano and it happens mm-hmm. every time the pterodactyl mm-hmm. shows up mm-hmm. but it's such a sick shot it's, oh, it's totally sick, sick. there's yeah. another sick shot where the minotaur fires energy beams from its yeah. horns at the saber tiger yeah and it like leaps off a cliff <laughs> with these explosions behind it and I was like oh yeah, no, man so I watched that shot. three or four times this morning yeah so <laughs> <laughs> just a really good puppet shot um, so this also brings us to um, a, a trope, which will continue. As each of the rangers forms the Megazord, uh, they all say something. And normally it's just like... Yeah, when they like take their cockpit seat, yeah, basically. Yeah. And normally it's just like, you know, we're, we're here, we're going to do this thing. Except for Kimmy, who every time um, either makes a dumb joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, I let's bunch this minotaur. minotaur. Yes. Or... Um, or says some something else to to really drive home the whole Valley Girl thing that they were going for with Kimmy. I don't know how Amy Jo Johnson delivered those lines without After bursting into laughter. Jumping into the cockpit and saying, let's munch, let's munch this minotaur. The pterodactyl does do a flyby on Goldar and shoot him with some lightning. Mm-hmm. Nobody discusses this. Nope. Uh, but they do it. Yep. And then they go back to fight the minotaur. They fight the Minotaur with the little zords, and it is sick. It is it is absolutely the the coolest footage I can remember seeing of the individual oh, yeah. uh, zords fighting. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this is something that happens somewhat regularly in Z-Ranger and the other Sentai yeah. shows that barely ever happens in right. Power Rangers. Yeah, I, I don't ever really remember that happening very much, mm-hmm. but it was very like Voltron-esque. Yeah, yeah. so like when... When Dragon Zord comes along, uh, Dragon Caesar in Zoo Ranger, he will combine with Saber Tiger, Mastodon, and Triceratops, mm-hmm. and they will fight as one unit, and then Tyrannosaurus will fight on his own. Right. So they will like tag yeah. team, and the same thing happens in Die Ranger, which corresponds to Season Two, the Thunder Zords. Thunder Zords with Red Dragon earlier. Ranger or um, the White Tiger Zord will combine with mm-hmm. the Unicorn and the Kirin and the Firebird. And the Red Dragon Sword, with its like dual mode capability, right. will act as backup. And so you get a lot more interesting fight dynamics that yeah. way. So they, they transform into the Megazord, and more or less immediately, Zordon is like, Yo, Rangers, he's too strong, come back. Mm-hmm. Which corresponds with the fact that this fight did not actually end with the destruction of the Minotaur and Zyranger. Correct. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a real weird pacing choice. Yes. We don't see what happened to the Zords either, which I thought was was mm-hmm. a real weird choice. It's but Zordon strange. immediately says, "Oh, I hid them. Yeah, they're, they're back in their, their hiding, hiding places. places." I mean, we see the Zords like emerge right. without teleporting, right? Um, but it, it it makes me wonder, like, can they also teleport? Right. That would be um, convenient. Very convenient. And then Zordon gives them their weapons. He they, they get the power weapons, the the weapons that in Zayu Ranger they're still questing for. One point to note here is that this was U.S. mask footage, which I thought was was very yes. unusual. I think it might be the first U.S. mask footage yes. we see in the show. And it's not especially well done and super awkward. They, they all just do not wear the costumes well, yeah. or yeah. whoever they've got in them. Mm-hmm. They teleport back to the Minotaur, and they're talking while they're teleporting, which I hated. Yeah, this this that's not the first time this has happened when they're sort of... Like their electricity blur right. forms, and they're flying over a 
color corrected landscape right. that's usually like red or green and they're like making a plan as they're going it's you really wonder about like if they're traveling at you know whatever you know uh, clearly faster than like the speed of sound for example yeah. right. it could be light speed i feel like there would be a huge explosion when they arrive <laughs> but it, there's a lot of logistics questions here. Right. Like, but, but how are they talking exactly yeah. how are they i mean are they uh, physically mentally communicating it's very I'm, i'd yeah. be interested to dig into that question so so when they get back they're they're with the minotaur mm-hmm. and he's small again yes he is, he is small and this again. is not explained at all no it is not and they pull it's their barely, weapons it's barely explained in Ranger, yeah. frankly yeah they pull their weapons and they start attacking the Minotaur uh, more or less immediately. There's no, like, lead up. There's no build up. It's just, oh, we got weapons. Let's attack. And mm-hmm. within a few seconds of that, they form the weird, big, ridiculous gun and they blast the Minotaur to dust. Mm-hmm. Rita sulks. They all go back to the high school where Kimmy says, gee, things sure work out a lot better when we work as a team. Uh, and then the principal comes up and gives them a hard time and they speed clean the hallway Really badly, by the way. I don't know yeah, if you no, noticed that, but they left a ton of trash on the ground. The principal comes back and he's like, hey, how is the hallway clean so quickly? Which, again, it is not, but whatever. And the Power Rangers just lie to the principal, just gaslight him. What mess are you talking about? There was never a mess. Yeah. Zordon calls them on their communicators to congratulate them, and then there is a silly coda about Alpha learning to break dance. Yes. With uh, a teddy bear. With it, uh, Yeah, inexplicably. Totally unexplained or unaddressed. So this episode sucked. Not one of the better ones. They yeah. condensed three and four of Zoo Ranger into this one right. to finish the Minotaur fight. Right. But the again the pacing loses all sense. You know, it's when the Zoo Rangers go to the land of despair, that's like a big deal. Like right. we are yeah. risking our lives right. so that we can get these weapons. We don't know how to get around in here. There's this like curse hanging over everything. There's a kidnapped boy and his mom we have to save. None of that is in. No. no. There's no stakes. This episode, yeah, exactly. We get this vague environmental message. Mm -hmm. We get these comments about Rita, about using pollution to to destroy the the planet or whatever. But then that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. No. No. The Minotaur is not like a pollution beast. Right. And it's not like they didn't have pollution beast footage to pull from. Oh, yeah. The two themes do not intersect. (laughs) The the, the whole thing was just bizarre. I, I remember seeing this episode as a kid. I don't remember being especially disappointed by it because it's got a bunch of really cool fight scenes in it, and that's really all I've watched Power Rangers for. There's a really cool shot when Jason is alone on the ground and the Minotaur is, like, stepping. Yeah. And the camera, like, does this, like, juddering, jumping Mm -hmm. thing that I thought was really cool. Lots of the footage that they pulled into this episode from Zyre Ranger was excellent. Mm -hmm. That shot is not in Zyre Ranger. Sure, but but, but lots of the footage that they pulled into this episode from Zyre Ranger is excellent. And and some of the fight sequences, even even the the U.S. stuff in the... um, in the toxic waste dump or whatever, they were good. The, the fight with Goldar was fine. Um, it was cute how they used the trash can technique on the putties yeah, that they yeah, had just yeah. seen used on Bone Skull. But from a plot standpoint, this was hot garbage. Yes. It makes zero sense. It um, really does. I thought Day of the Dumpster was confusing, but this, this blows that out of the park in terms of just, there's nothing here. Yeah. Which is a real shame because... This this episode of Zyre Ranger is my favorite so far. The whole uh, Land of Despair thing, it, it had big, like, Jim Henson 1980s vibes. It was very, like, Dark Crystal slash Labyrinth yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of. And the, the the whole idea of them turning to stone, and there, 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 was, there was stakes. There was pressure. 
Yeah. And there's like all these statues sort of littered around. Uh-huh. And like, oh, this is what will happen to us. Which I'm deeply curious about those. Like, I don't think they made all of those just for this. Right. So, so where did I'm they curious come from? about yeah. where they came from. Do they just, yeah. like, live at the studio and they bring them out whenever they need sort of <laughs> miscellaneous need. samurai? There's, <laughs> there's samurai. There's, like, weird guys in sci-fi armor. There's uh-huh. a, a couple of, like, Western-style knights in armor. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. But, yeah, I, I was disappointed enough in this episode of Power Rangers that it was a struggle for me to watch the next episode. And, like... The next episode is better, but it's not much better. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really struggling to find their feet. I, I know that they do eventually. Yeah, they do. But, but I hope they do soon. Yeah, because mm-hmm. right now it's very jumbled. Because mm-hmm. I watched the first four episodes of each one back to back. Yeah. Because I'm just catching up to guest star on this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so jumbled. Yeah. I could not believe what they were pulling from which ones. And the just first few yeah mm-hmm. and this is the second time that they've just kind of thrown goldar in as oh yeah he's also here mm-hmm. because yeah. they just didn't have enough footage to make a fight work mm-hmm. and so far no one in zayu ranger has has seen goldar goldar has not appeared to the rangers yeah but so far the power rangers have fought him twice they're, they're doing that thing with with goldar here in power rangers that they do with um with Worf. On Star Trek: The Next Generation. That is, I was not expecting to hear that show mentioned today, so I'm intrigued <laughs> as to where this comparison is going. On Star Trek: The Next Generation, they set up Worf very early on. Um, season two, once Tasha's gone, they set Worf up as being this big badass. He is supposed to be this 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 magnificent warrior. He's the chief of security on the flagship of the the Federation. Dear listeners, Worf is a precious teddy bear, and he's double autistic. <laughs> We'll break that down when we do our Star Trek podcast. Uh, 2025, right? But when they introduce anybody and they're trying to show what a badass this new person that they've introduced is, the first thing that they have that person do is go knock Worf on his ass. And so just over and over again, oh, they have... Oh, he's a jobber. Yeah, he's a jobber. Yeah. He's yeah. a jobber. Oh. They have they have people step up and, and, and knock Worf on his ass over and over again. They turn him into a jabroni. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that with Goldar. In a yeah. really confusing way. They're establishing Goldar as Rita's enforcer and this big bad. He has a very scary face. He, oh, he yeah. has face and he's his cool golden armor yeah. and wings and stuff. And Incredibly cool character. And they just stomp on him over and over, over again. again. Yeah. That continues the entirety of both shows. Yeah. Although he does get a mech. He gets his own mech <laughs> laid in the show. Mech? It's sick. I love that. Good, love cool. that. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right. I mean, I think we've largely covered our talk back. We talked a little bit about Violet's history with the series. Oh, One yeah. question I have for you is that you and Ryan used to perform with a Megazord on stage, if I'm not mistaken. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, when I was in Hurley Burley and the Volcanic Fallout, which I guess I still am in because we you just, just released, an, we just released a, an EP. Right? So. Yeah. So we would perform, and we were ridiculous kids in costumes. We were theater kids. So uh, it was all about the costume, the stage presence, but we didn't really have, like, money for props. (laughs) Nope. So we had Ryan's Megazord from when he was a child, and it always was on his bass amp. And paper mache volcanoes. Paper mache volcanoes. We couldn't afford paper mache. We had boxes. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I've seen Hurley Burley perform with a paper mache volcano. Yeah. 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 Full of balloons. Full of balloons. Um, Yeah. The first time it was a cake, and it was for my sister's birthday party. Well, I love that. Yeah. 
the, the Megazord is here. The Megazord. It's, da- it's yeah. downstairs. Yeah, it's on display. Uh, that's not Ryan's Megazord. That's my Megazord. Oh. Which is why it's missing the uh, pterodactyl. B- big difference between your Megazord and Ryan's Mine's Megazord. Mine's the 2010. Ryan has the original, which I wish I had. Okay, okay. My apologies. Um, I didn't mean to open that wound. It's, I, I don't know where my pterodactyl is. They're very easy to lose. And then on top of that, I have another connection to Mighty Morphin. My brother was taught Shakespeare by Skull. Sure. No. Yes. Oh my god. In like 2005, circa 2005-ish, Skull was teaching Shakespeare to um, Virginia Governor's School. So like in the summer, he... Learned Shakespeare. That. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so pulling up Skull's page, mm-hmm. full name. This is a doozy. Eugene <laughs> Skullovich. That's why he's called Skull. It's not like a goth <laughs> thing. He's, he's just Skullovich. Um, so that actor's name is Jason Narvi. Yes, that was it, Narvi. Who just has this like incredibly well crafted, annoying laugh. That mostly gets deployed at Bulk's expense. Right. Frankly, he doesn't really laugh that much at other people. Just such a good character. Shakespearean trained. A- apparently. <laughs> and Shakespearean training. Yes. To, uh, what's your brother's name? Jesse. Jesse Hunter. Jesse Hunter. Shout, Shout out, out Jesse. Jesse. And, uh, so when's Jesse yeah. going to be on the show? We can make that happen. Okay. When's Skull going to be on the show? I don't yeah, know if I can make like, that are happen. Are still in touch? Like, I don't think they're still in touch. Should he, it he probably his, wouldn't be that hard. his email? Like, yeah. You know, honestly, we could reach out. We yeah. could at least just like send a nice note like, hey, we appreciate the work that you did. Would you Skype ago. into our uh, oh, Lord, podcast? I don't want to think about how teleconferencing in this show would work. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, that is such a cool connection. Yeah. So that's where like three degrees away from an actual cast member. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who knows what we might discover later in the future. As we continue to Kevin Bacon. (laughs) Three degrees from Jason Narvey. No, that's so cool. I didn't know. You didn't (laughs) let us know about that before the show. So we're like discovering this live in real time. Yeah. I figured like I should tell y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're, you've told us you're not into Sentai yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess, except for four episodes, but you're into, like, other tokusatsu and mecha shows also, right? So tell us a little bit about what animes do you like? I really love uh, mecha anime in particular. I grew up with it on Toonami and everything like that. God and bless Toonami. God bless Toonami. You know, my intro into, like, the anime that I really remember first really digging was, of course, Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. And it's the I'll- only Gundam show I've seen. Oh, there's several, several good ones. I really like the original Gundam. Frankly, Gundam Wing is pretty mid by the standards of the others. Yeah, that's... Like, I, it has a special place in my heart and will forever, but it's pretty mid. It doesn't help that the director died halfway through production. And yeah. completely... I mean, that threw everyone, as it would. Yeah. Uh, but the second half of the show really, really suffers from production sure. disaster. Anyway. But, yeah, so I've watched several of the Gundam series. Zoids. Zoids was so good. So, Zoids is one of these things that I know I watched and loved. Yeah. But Ethan and I talked about this recently. I could not remember a single detail about the show. Mm -hmm. Couldn't remember anything about it. Couldn't remember anything about how it worked. Like, the mechanics of the show were lost on me. All I remember is, big robot, go fight. Yeah. That's 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 most of it. That's that's most of the show. But it's important to note, the robot is a cat. And and sentient. And sentient. Um... Some of them definitely are, and some of them aren't. 
Sure. But yeah, I collected the Zoids toys. Like, mm-hmm. they were little model kits I yeah. put together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still have quite a, number a bunch of, of mine. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I want to feel mm-hmm. burning shame about how bad of a modeler I was as a kid, I pull those out and look at the terrible nub marks. Talking oh, God. Like, like a four millimeter stub sticking off of every armor piece. Yeah. I'm like, what did I use to cut these out? A Scissors? kitchen knife? I don't know. Your bare hand. Uh, I truly don't know. I, uh, when I built models as a kid, I definitely snapped them with my bare hands. Oh, for I, sure. I should. I mean, I should. I know I had access to like nail clippers, which is better than nothing. But sure, like, but you didn't have the knowledge that no, you needed. Them. No, no. You have a model of something. It's a resin kit that we have talked about. What is it's that? It's a vinyl thing? kit. It's a vinyl yeah. kit. It is Combatler V. Okay, tell us about Combatler V. So Combatler V, I really know from having it as a toy as a child. Okay. Uh, my dad would travel a lot, and he would come back and bring us a toy usually when I was younger. So I'm pretty sure it came from like an airport or something. But, um, sure. <laughs> Combatler was this red robot made up of various uh, transportation parts. Like his feet were like drill cars or something like that. And uh, his chest was like some kind of jet thing. Uh, So I had the toy as a kid and it was my favorite toy. Uh, I have since lost every single one of the pieces. Sure, of course. So now I have this vinyl kit in the other room that I have had on my project list forever. And I can't wait to put back together. The other toy that I really want to get or model is Big O. I love Big O. They put out like a high quality Big O model a is couple that of years ago. Soul of Chogokin. Soul of Chogokin. I don't yeah. think it's Chogokin. I think it's a. I think it's a different. Okay. Okay. Because uh, they've had one. him out in. Yeah. Uh, they did that, a combat. There, there are a few. That way too. There are yeah. a few. The Chogokin stuff is like big money. So I'm assuming. Yeah. That um the vintage toy would have been from the same line that gave us the Super Shoguns in the U.S. Probably. Um and I have a ton of those. Don't know anything about the, those characters in Japan other mm-hmm. than uh, uh Mazinger. Um, but even then, I know more of, of that from, like, Spain yeah. um, than I do yeah. from Japan. I absolutely love big old robot toys. Oh, Transformers. I get so nerdy about Transformers. Sure, of course. Because, like, it's like the toy version of what they did with the Power Rangers. In, in more ways than one. Because they took just all these different toys from all these different companies that they got the holds, the molds and the rights to, and just right. like, hey, let's shove this into a show. And we'll... we'll actually be talking about more of that in the next episode as well good um because the the parallels are even stronger than than you might realize and there's a parallel to gundam there also which is that uh tomino saw transformers and was like oh that's cool so then all of the suits like all of the big name suits Mm -hmm. and mobile suits and zeta gundam are transforming suits Mm -hmm. literally would not have happened unless he had happened to catch an episode of Transformers. He goes, oh, that's a good idea. Have you seen uh, Our Friend Power 5? I have not seen Our Friend Power 5. Ethan, do you know about this? I don't know what this is. Okay. Oh, wait, Uh, no, no, no. Yes, you showed me this. Our Friend Power 5 is a South Korean uh, hybrid live-action animated film um, starring the worst Ninja Turtle knockoffs you will ever see. Oh, we you did show me this. Yeah. The uh, guy got like a whole shipping container of Ninja Turtles costumes or something like that. He got the molds for uh, the Ninja Turtles toys and a bunch of GoBots. Okay. In South Korea. Uh, but, but neither Ninja Turtles nor GoBots uh, had been released there. It hadn't been localized. Oh. And he needed a way to sell the toys. Mm-hmm. 
so he made a movie mm-hmm. uh, using some animated footage uh, of of the GoBots using the same studio that actually did all all of the uh, all, a ton of uh, animation at that time. A, a bunch of of anime was actually being produced in South Korea. Uh, so he used some of the same studios, and then uh, Toei provided him with the suits uh, of his horrible Ninja Turtles. So uh, but they're, they're really, really bad. But it's the same idea, where, yeah. where they needed a way to sell these toys, so they produced this film. It, the, the whole thing's up on YouTube. It's not good. Nelson's watching it um, right now. I'm watching Nelson <laughs> watching. <laughs> so the animation is is super limited, but not especially bad, you know? Um, but when you get to the live-action shots, I mean, it is breathtaking. Yeah. yeah, but but but, but same same, same thing, same hat, same yeah. hat. Well, cool. Thank you for telling us about all of your history and your interests. Yeah. Um, so the research topic today is mine, and I chose the actress Soga Machiko because she came up so frequently. This is the actress who plays Bandora, and the face of Rita, although not the voice for most of it. Although she would go back to redub. Power Rangers in Japanese, so it is. If you watch the Japanese release of Power Rangers, it's her dubbing over herself. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> There's a Japanese release yeah. of Power Rangers. Yeah, they read up. They took. Uh huh. Is it successful? I have no idea. Okay, we got to find out. Yeah, okay. this will, it'll have to be a, like a special episode. Of yeah, we watch some some Japanese Power Rangers. I want to. I want to see. Reaction videos. Yeah. I want to see people who watched Super Sentai watching Power Rangers for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Okay. But anyway. it's like it's like that whole process that we've been talking about of like the cultural transference. Yeah. But like not in reverse because it's already happened once, so it's just like a weird U turn and you end up with like a sandwich effect. And and that's the way that this always works. Yeah. Uh, the, this idea that that any culture is a monolith is is a myth. Uh, all cultures are made up of bits and pieces of one another, and this is just a particularly egregious example. Yeah. Where <laughs> something that was localized is being relocalized is being relocalized. I mean, it's it's neat, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I love that I know this. Thank you for sharing. This. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to look further into it. So Sogamachiko was born March 18th of 1938 in Hachioji District in Tokyo and got into acting through radio starting in the early 60s. Okay. So she played like a couple of protagonist characters, a couple of evil characters. You know, she could do like a little kid voice if she needed to do a little kid voice, stuff like that. Her television debut came in the early 70s, mostly doing voiceover work. And then her first big tokusatsu role was as Queen Hedrian in 1980's Denshi Sentai Denjiman. She would play the same character in Taiyo Sentai Sun Vulcan, and then very soon after that would play Majo Bandora in 1992 and 93. Uh, and then as we mentioned, through the sabanization process, she would be required not only to phonetically read some English lines to provide more footage for Power Rangers, but also to redub her own performance that had already been redubbed in English back into Japanese, but crucially was not playing Bandora, but was dubbing Rita. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. So I know Lord Zed was not in any of the, the oh. Sentai. Uh, it was not in really? Ranger. Yeah. yeah. Lord Zed Complete, is an American invention. Complete Western. So does that mean that all of the footage of Zed and Rita interacting was also... I guess it has right. to mean that. Yeah. That, that is the stuff that was reshot by this actress. So there are multiple actresses now have played the character of Rita. Interesting. Okay. So Zed doesn't show up until season two. Yeah. Right. When they have their interactions, that's the same costume, but a completely different actress. That's an American oh, actress okay. 
in the Rita costume so, playing the character. So when Machiko is playing Rita in English, it is for the last ten episodes of this season. Right. Okay. Cool. Soga passed away in May of 2006, age 68, after a long and storied career. And I think probably my favorite fact that I learned about her was that she had a small antique and curio shop in Harajuku. I just think it would be really neat if you're just sort of like wandering around Tokyo thrifting and you walk in and Witch Pandora is just there trying to like sell you a rug. (laughs) Or like threatening you if you don't buy the rug. (laughs) I'll crush your children in a spaceship or, you know. Yeah, and I just think that's such a cute little fact of, like, yeah. she just had her own little shop. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love that. And if you, you know, look at her actress credits, she's all over Sentai and Tokusatsu in general. The radio show stuff specifically is, like, expansive. Sure. And she actually makes another appearance in Power Rangers in, like, 20 years from where we're at now in our coverage as a sort of quasi-angelic figure, which is like a reformed Rita Repulsa, who's like the source of all good magic in the universe. Interesting. Now. Yeah, oh. shows up way, way later. We'll get to that when we get to it. In a decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. uh, it's going to take us till 25 to get through season one at this rate. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. That's that's the research topic for today. Cool. Thank you, Sogomachko, for your excellent performances. Uh, well, we got anything else before we close out? I'm good. Okay. I'm great. Thank you so much for being here, buddy. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for including me. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next time to discuss episodes four of G-Ranger, uh, Yomigare Densetsu no Buki, Reawaken Legendary Weapons, and Power Rangers, A Pressing Engagement. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to send me $5. And if you want to find me online, don't. <laughs> but you can follow the show on the Fediverse at Kinkyu Sentai Podcast Rangers at meet.communitymedia.network. Violet, what have you got going on that people should look out for, and how should people get in touch if they want to? I have so many things going on. I know. Okay, so, I am Dr. Deathray. She is Dr. Deathray. Of Dr. Deathray and the Implements of Destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, preferably through analogrevolution.com, mm-hmm. or find me on the Fediverse at Dr. Deathray at, uh, at retro.social. Mm-hmm. That is correct. I also am in Hurley Burley and the Volcanic Fallout, who, of course, did this theme song. And we just released a Christmas album. This is coming out after Christmas. But go ahead and listen to it, because seven days of Christmas, 12 days of Christmas technically starts on Christmas Day. It's also guaranteed to be a perennial Christmas classic. Perennial, yes. It's it's a free download, and you will listen to it every Christmas for the rest of your life, or you will die. One of the two. Probably both. And then, what else do I do? I'm an audio engineer. I run Analog Revolution with Andrew. It is our record label. We have a whole bunch of artists out, uh, pre-orders up for Michael Sarah Palin, uh, just released Eli Pop, all kinds of things. Just go to analogrevolution.com or find me on the Fediverse, Dr. Deathray at retro.social. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew, what have you got going on lately? I don't think I want to do a plug today. Okay. There's there's too much going on. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll, very briefly, um, I've just started releasing a film serial from the 19 teens called The Master Mystery, starring Harry Houdini. Yeah, the Harry Houdini. Yeah, the the, the Harry Houdini. It's a really fascinating kind of thing because it uh, it's a mech show. Uh, the, the the premise of the series is that there is a mech in 1918. Um, this is before the word robot was coined. So, like, right. they don't have the language to talk about this guy What yet. do they call it? Um, the, the machine. The machine? That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's it, it's a fascinating little thing, um, an adventure serial in 15 parts, um, the closest thing that the teens had to television. Uh, but of course it's silent, so uh, I'm rescoring it using uh, some music that we've composed here and some music that I found in various places, Creative Commons licensed and so on and so forth. Um, cool. That's fun, it's on New LJ Television. Uh, we've also recently started releasing new episodes of Expedition Sasquatch, uh, which is the comedy Bigfoot podcast that I do. You can find that at expeditionsasquatch.org or... Dot .org, on... again, to any IRS agents who might be listening, dot .org is a non-profit <laughs> endeavor. And um, you can also find that on New Elegy Television. Uh, that's a lot of fun. I do that with um, my buddy Josh, um, who will almost certainly end up on this show almost at some certainly. point. We might um, have to like send a car to pick him up. Yeah. But yeah, bad, bad driving anxiety. But that's okay. We'll, we'll get you here some way, Josh. And I think that's it for now. Um, y'all know me. I'm always doing too much. You can find the rest of the things that I work on at andrewroach.net. Um, and that list is also not accurate, but it's more accurate than most of the other lists that In- I share. Including, but not limited to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all the show we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks also to Hurley Burley and the Volcanic Fallout for the use of their song, Colossal Might, Totally Radical Instrumental Version, for our intro and outro music. King Q Sentai Podcast Strangers is licensed CC by SA and produced in collaboration with New LJ Television at the LJ Makerspace, which stands on the ancestral, unceded, stolen, and occupied lands of the Cherokee people. You can learn more about the Makerspace by visiting ljmakerspace.org, and you can learn more about the Cherokee people by visiting cherokee.org. Strength, love, and solidarity to all oppressed people, and in the words of a wise man, f*** capitalism, go home. <laughs>